Welcome to Regold's Dance Life Podcast for dance teachers and dance studio owners who have a passion for the art of dance. Hello, welcome to Regold's Dance Life Podcast. My name is Stacey Morgan, and today I'm joined by the wonderful Regold. Hi, Re. Hi, Stacy. Hello, everybody out there listening today. It's a good day here. We've been having a little bit of a sing-along before we hit record on today's podcast, and so we're both in a really good mood, and we're going to be talking about all things stage, all things show. So, um, you know, if you need anyone to do a number in your <laughs> recital, it could be Ri or I. I think we're warmed up and ready to go. Yes, I could sing for you, but that's on another night. I'll, I'll demonstrate that. <laughs> Awesome. Today's podcast is brought to you by Soul. Of course, we're all excited about the Dance Life Teacher Conference, which is coming up in July, but Soul is happening the three days after that. And Soul is not necessarily just for dance teachers. Soul is a whole new experience. Tell us why you're so excited about Soul, Ray. It's Soul, uh, as you described it, a totally unique experience, hitting the dance industry with something fresh, it's for dancers, young dancers, age nine and older, who are passionate about dance. They're going to learn from dancers about moving into professional careers. They're going to learn about how dance can enable them for the rest of their lives and their journey by falling into areas where you don't have to leave dance, but you build a career around the dance that you're so passionate about. Great classes, contemporary, tap, jazz, acrobatics for those who do acrobatics, and it's um, lecture and movement. And there's also a teacher track and a parent track. We're going to try to get the parents in a vibe of appreciating dance uh, from a more soul perspective and what, what benefits their children are gaining just from being in a dance class rather than being the best at anything. So yeah, it's it's new, it's fresh, and if anybody wants to join us for this special event, I'd love to see you there. You can learn more at regal.com slash soul. And today we're talking all things recital, all things show. We're heading into show time. It's that time of the season where you're sorting the costumes and making sure that everybody's put their music um, you know, into we have a Google Drive folder and where I'm constantly saying, is everybody's music in the Google Drive folder? Is everybody's music sorted? Um, for my teachers anyway. So it's that time of year where things are starting to really come together. What are your memories from recital time when you were growing up, Ray? Oh, I always say this. Uh, when I was a kid, a recital was just as big as Christmas. Yes. Okay, it was a holiday dress yes. rehearsal was Christmas Eve. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the recital was Christmas Day. And, you know, it was just like one of the most exciting days of the year. And I, I feel like for some kids, they might not feel this way. But for me, I lacked out because I lived in the process of it as a child. You know, my mother would be packaging up costumes, making headpieces. And in the early days, people probably still do it. Um, 
my mother would collect all shoes and spray paint them the color of the costume wow. and then distribute them back out to the the kids you know it was yeah recital time was great I always uh like to tell this my mother used to make her headpieces and then call us out of our room or from the living room and she'd make us put it on and she'd go now shake your head now <laughs> turn around because <laughs> she wanted to see the headpiece in action and I don't want to describe some of the headpieces <laughs> that she made either running or I wear but yeah that's a memory that I have. And I think sometimes when we become the person in charge of the show and it's all suddenly our responsibility to make that magic happen. I think sometimes we forget that feeling of it's like Christmas because I feel the same about my shows growing up. It, it, I feel like it was better than Christmas Day. It was it, uh, the best day of the year. But whether or not that okay. sparkle still sticks around <laughs> is, is well, what we're going to talk about today. We are. But you just said something I want to dig a little deeper into. You asked me that question. What was it like? I'm going to ask you in a summary, what is it like for you today? So today it uh, comes with a little is, bit. Yeah, a we're going, this is a Stacy session, everybody. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. Um, today well, I'll, I'll tell you right now, but then I'll also give you the experience of maybe three or four years ago. Right now, I still get excited about about the show. It's show week. It's it's time to go. It's, you know, we bump into the theatre. The kids are in the costumes. I still get excited. About three years ago, though, I was feeling so burnt out that I remember saying to my therapist, I just need to get through this weekend. I just need it to be over. I need to get to the – I need to get to Monday. Just help me get to Monday. And she was like, you're missing, you're missing it. You're missing life. This is the good stuff. This is why you do what you do. And it was a real kind of like bump in the head moment for me to kind of go, oh, yeah, when did this attitude come up that, you know, I just needed to get through it? Because the child in me didn't ever want it to end. So that thought of of wanting it to be over was a really, um, you know, kind of take a good look at yourself moment <laughs> for me. And so now, you know, the changes that I put in place from that moment till this moment, it has been all about finding what sparks me in terms of this rehearsal process, the recital process, the costume mm-hmm. buying process, and delegating the things that were really dragging me down and burning me out to other people who happen to love that stuff. And so now when it comes to show week, I'm only in charge of the things that um, I'm really good at. And other people are in charge of the things that they are really good at. And it means that when it comes to showtime, I'm feeling a whole lot better about it. I'm, I'm that kid in the candy store excited that it's going to happen. It's interesting. I I appreciate your authentic answer. Um, We probably have some listeners who are wishing their show that's two months away to be over. Mm. And I know that feeling. Yeah, I don't want anybody who's sitting out there listening going, oh, I shouldn't be thinking this way. 
because I don't think you're alone and coming out of COVID and everything is bigger and harder and more to do than it was prior. Mm -hmm. Like I, I can't explain that, but I'm sure that everybody listening gets it. It's, it's, you have to do more for even a lesser result now. Yes. Yeah. That goes in business that goes in putting on a show. There's more, more to it. But with that said, um, let's do a little re-talking right now. So everybody listening and you, Stacy, um, you dreamed that one day you'd put on your own recital. You may have been sitting at a recital going, someday I'm going to do a recital and I'm going to do this. and I'm going to do this and my recital is going to be great. And uh, Okay, and here's some other things like, oh, I can't wait till I get to look through the catalogs and pick the costumes. Right. Okay. That was like, like such an exciting part. Oh, so so I think we need to remind ourselves this is so important in everything we do in a dance studio is that we are living the dream as corny as it sounds. If we can look back and say because there's many of our friends who can't say this, many of people that we know who, who do good things, but they didn't follow their dream. They didn't get that chance for whatever reason. And here we are, we're about to put on a recital. And here's some other things I want to say about that. We're about to put on a recital after two years of COVID, maybe the first time our kids have been on stage other than our competitive kids who may have been out this season. The first time families have come together to see those kids, just look at it and say, no matter what, I'm going to put my 100% into this. But there's nothing that could go wrong here. There's really nothing that could go wrong here. And why do I say that? And I'll give you a chance to talk in a second. (laughs) I say it because if you look, at least in the States, I'm sure it's the same way in Australia and for our Canadian listeners, I see a lot of people who are like, oh, it's recital season. Here we go. Mm. I've forgotten how stressful this time is. I like look and go, oh, my God, you you were on a call with me when the pandemic hit. And you said the only thing you wanted was for your kids to dance again. Mm -hmm. How quickly we forget. So couldn't couldn't we all, no matter what it is, and I realize your story, you were burnt out at this point, you needed to make change, but couldn't we pull it all down to the bare minimum and go, this is a gratitude thing. This is me being grateful mm-hmm. for following that dream, for actually being a survivor, because you are, and And the ability to lead all these people and them to believe in you and have stuck with you and 
And if the lights aren't right or the costumes don't arrive and you have to order another set of costumes or you have to run to Walmart and buy pieces to put on that costume, what the heck? Like, what the heck? Yeah. I wish I could say it differently, but I'm (laughs) being good today. Am I, I, does that, like... I, I wish we could push that in front of us all the time instead of just seeing all the hard stuff. Mm. And it has been a particularly hard time just getting to this point. So I understand why people are feeling like, ah, here we go. But keeping that front of mind is so important that, you know, remember that time when all you wanted to do was get your kids on stage. Remember that time when you were you know, younger and dancing in your own recital and you all you wanted was to have your own and to choose your own costumes. Those little things are the things that keep you going and they're the little things that are going to make the big difference when it, you know, when it all comes out, when it all, when it all happens, they're going to be the moments. And I think there's something to be said, Rhi, about being present because I know that yeah. sometimes I have, I have you know, recitals have happened and I was there but if you asked me to recall like what what was the opening number what was the finale I can't remember and I think it's because in the moment I wasn't really paying attention and no you were in charge you had on your mind you're gonna you're gonna put this show on keep it on time keep everybody in order yes and so I think there's something to be said about being able to breathe in the moments as they're happening so that later on you can recall. I just listened to a great episode um, of Dare to Lead, Brene Brown's podcast, and she was talking about attention and attention being like a flashlight and you've only got one flashlight and you need to shine it to where you want to have attention. And I think sometimes I'm backstage at the recital and I'm, I'm running from one thing to the next that I don't actually shine my flashlight on the kids on stage and the, their faces on stage or their faces backstage as they're about to run out, as they, their music starts. Those little moments. And I think this time round, when it comes to my show this time, I'm really going to try and shine my light on those moments and not get lost in the quick, where's the next group and let's change those tap shoes and all of the, the carry on that needs to go. I think, I, I don't think that I will lose out. I think the tap shoes will still get on. I think the next group will still be ready. If I take a moment to just savor the moment and enjoy what's going on. Okay. And then I'm going to say this for whatever reason, probably a really good one. The kid didn't come out in tap shoes. Mm-hmm. What happened? Go ahead, tell me. Did the show end? No. So the show goes on, but but even you just saying that, there's a pit of dread in my stomach about that mother charging backstage and screaming okay, at me for the so, tap shoes. Okay, not being so on. well, I was thinking more like, okay, that side I could get, but I was thinking more like the mother forgot the tap shoes. The kid just doesn't have tap shoes. Oh, then what are we gonna do? We're gonna put the kid on the stage. Put the kid on the stage. Make them feel good. Make them feel like they're not missing out at all, and and move on. Yep. And and see. Here's another thing about that. If the little kid 
is in a freak out experience, that first recital or that second recital isn't going to be a good experience either. Exactly. So I always look and go, what's the worst thing that can happen here? And there isn't anybody out in this world that isn't going to understand because we've already lived through so many, what I'll call technical difficulties, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. That the normal human reaction is, okay, that's cool. Like, like we worry about something that maybe we should be less worried about. Yes. Yeah. So a couple things that I would like to say about this is you said it earlier or used the expression. This is about shining the light on the kids. Mm. This is about their joy, their their getting out on stage, remembering or not remembering their dance, or or impacting. Do you know how many kids for the three minutes that they're on stage, or or two, or one and a half with your preschoolers, <laughs> thirty three seconds. Um, that's a lifetime memory being instilled in that child's head. Mm-hmm. They're never going to forget their first recital. They're going to remember what they were, what their costume was. Nana's going to remember it. Everybody is going to remember it. So the worried about what someone's going to think about the show or the technical difficulties, shine the light on the kids. It's all about them. They're not having any technical difficulties. They're out on that stage having a blast. It's recital time. It's Christmas time. It's Christmas. It's Christmas Day. (laughs) Yes? Yes, absolutely. And I think that's a really good reminder, Ray, because I think we lose sight of that so often in the stress of all the things that need to get done. And just, you know... Touching back on what I said before about delegating, it doesn't mean that I'm not still heavily involved with my recital and how my recital works, but there are things that we as dance teachers and dance studio owners, there's things that we're good at and there's things that we're not necessarily good at. We don't have to be good at everything. I think there's this misconception that when you start your own business, you have to be good at everything. And I think that's, that's a really hard standard to live up to. And so understanding that, yes, I am good at the choreography I do in the studio and I am good at doing the run sheet and calling the event on the day. They're they're my zones of genius. And so I'm going to work in those. The costumes, however, Miss Ange, who's on my team and who is phenomenal, is brilliant at that and she loves it. So that's now all her responsibility. And she thrives on that. And she loves the fact that she doesn't have to do the run sheet or call the show. She can just sit back and enjoy it because once those kids have got costumes on, she's good to go. So finding people on your team who have their own zones of genius and helping them work with you as part of this recital process means that the whole thing doesn't rest on your shoulders. When you delegate out different jobs to different people, they get to step up. Your team gets to step up. They have ownership over the recital as well. They feel like it's their own. They're more committed to it being a success. And at the end of the day, you produce a better show and you're in a better mood and everyone has a better time. And I, you know, now that this is the way that we run it, I think, why did I spend 10 years before this, you know, 
grinding myself okay. into the ground. I want you to, I'm going to hit you with this question because I know there's some listeners who say, oh, I'd love to delegate, but I'm, I'm afraid to give her the costumes and I'm afraid to give that one this. I only trust myself. Mm. What do you say to the people who have the fear of delegating, who'd like to get to the place you just described where you're actually doing after show what you like to do? And I want our listeners to know that could be nothing. Yeah. That could be sitting in the front row if you wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. That's called delegating everybody to their places and a light switch or a switch goes off and the show runs. You could get to that point. Yep. But okay, for the one who's afraid to delegate right now, give me some advice. So it's not about saying, okay, the costumes are yours, go. And then just crossing your fingers and hoping that on the day you turn up and everyone has a costume. That's a recipe for disaster. It gives me hives just thinking about it. It's about planning. It's about systems. So it's about creating checklists for these jobs that you've been doing for 100 years that you keep in your brain. Getting that out of your brain and into a checklist that somebody else can actually follow. And then having you know, some really good checkpoints along the way in the lead up to the recital to be able to check in and see where we're at. Because that's good for your peace of mind. It's good for the person who's doing the tasks peace of mind. And it's going to mean a better result in the end. So you don't ever want to delegate something like a a task or a, a job or a role to anybody without a, you know, without a playbook. You need to give them the boundaries. You need to give them the handrails so they can hold on and and walk across the bridge themselves. And those checkpoints are really important. So you want to check, you know, you want to check in three months out from the recital. You want to check in two months. You want to check in six weeks. You want to check in four weeks. You're checking the two weeks before. You're checking the week before, the night before, whatever works for you and for the person that's taking on the job so that there are no surprises on the day. And the times that things have gone wrong and we've, you know, had one costume missing or one child missing or any of those things, those disaster stories from recital day have been because we haven't been really diligent about our checkpoints. So it does, it does take planning. It does take work. And you might think, well, that if, if I'm going to have to go to all of that effort, then I might as well just do the job myself. Yes, it is going to be a lot of effort, but you do the big effort once and then for years to come, other people take on that role. So don't be afraid of the hard work that you have to put in at the beginning because it's so worth it in the end. It's so worthwhile. What what does our friend say, Terry Mangiorardi? 80-20. So Queen Terry. So Yes. So for for Terry, it would be I'm assigning this job to you. If that person gets 80% of it right, that only leaves a small portion for me to work on mm-hmm. compared to what it was before. And that 20% will continue to shrink. Yep. Or sometimes the 80% is good enough and you can make it happen with that. That's true. Okay. That was a good point. And that's, it's kind of like what you said, Rhea, about the shine the light on the kids. Like if, if the, the lights, if the lighting for your recital is 80% there, 
is grandma really going to notice or is grandma just watching little Susie in the front row? It might not be 100% for you, but the 80% might be good enough. If the light was on when the kids were on stage and the light went off when they were off stage, then happy days. And uh, again, I know you're going to say, well, that isn't the memory I want to create, but it's a memory. The lights go out while the kids are dancing on stage. You're never going to forget that show. The kids that were in the number are never going to forget the show. Maybe they got to dance a second time. You know, I, uh, I, something just crossed my mind. Um, I was probably like, I, I was a teenager and my mother was putting on her show, maybe my early 20s. And believe it or not, two shows, huge auditorium, over a thousand tickets for each show sold. And the electricity in the building went out. Oh. And so literally my mother is sitting on the front steps as kids, some coming in their costumes, other kids carrying their costumes. And my mother having to tell these kids that the recital was off. Okay. Now that neither of those shows ran on that day. And we all went home thinking it was the most catastrophic thing and had to reschedule. And even when we rescheduled all the people who had bought tickets or come from out of town, you know, they they couldn't go because of the dramatic change. But for years, when anybody talked about the studio or whatever, they would say, do you remember that year? when (laughs) (laughs) There was the year of no recital. And you think about it, right? That that was a memory, uh, good or bad, mm-hmm. that I remember. And what I remember the most, uh, here's a compliment to my mom up, up there in heaven, was she handled it like a pro, even though on the inside she was dying. Yeah. Okay. Dying. She got up on a chair and yelled out what the situation was to everybody in a very professional way. But all she wanted to do was cry. Yeah, devastating. So I guess now that I've told that story, that's probably the worst thing that could go wrong. Mm -hmm. Okay, so anything that's above that or isn't as bad as that. You're good to go. (laughs) You're good to go because we made it through that one. Yes. I have, um, when I graduated from my dance studio, I had, I'd been and gone and graduated, but everyone tells the story about, from my studio, about the time that the fire alarm went off in the middle of the recital and down on the street, there were kids in costumes and full face of makeup and parents, just, you know, half dressed, small humans (laughs) lining the streets because the, everyone had to evacuate, wait for the fire alarm to finish. And then the year the fire alarm went off. Mm -hmm. Those they, they do create create good memories. I have to tell you, Ree, because it's just tapping me on the shoulder. My one of my like my most embarrassing moment on stage was at my recital, and it's you know I shouldn't have said most embarrassing because it's not terribly embarrassing. But I was ten in my ballet group, and I felt the need to yawn on stage. So clearly, I was paying a lot of attention. 
And I'm like, what's the protocol? Like, this is my brain. What's the protocol of yawning on stage? Um, I need to yawn, so I'm, I'm going to yawn. But then halfway through the yawn, I was like, oh, I'm being rude. So I'll need to, like, put my hand over my mouth and, and like, say, excuse me. <laughs> and it was at that yeah. moment that the camera panned to me. And so on the... <laughs> On the camera version we have of me in my my beautiful ballet outfit is me taking a big yawn with my hand over my mouth going, oh, excuse me, I'm so fancy. <laughs> but, like, don't move your hands. <laughs> smile, I I yawn know, through your did smile. Did you keep dancing? Did you keep doing the right steps? I did, but I had my hand over my mouth and I'm, so, I'm still so embarrassed about it <laughs> because I just, there was no yawn protocol in my brain for me to reach... <laughs> So now I always make sure I tell the kids. Well, there's a tip for everybody listening. What is your yawn <laughs> protocol? What are you going in with this yeah. season? <laughs> and I like I remember that routine. I remember that music. I remember that dance. That's I was definitely shining the light on that on that moment um, when I did my recital. But I I've loved talking about this, Ray, because it does remind me. Of, of why we do what we do. It's it's for these memories. It's creating these memories for the kids. And I think we're going into our show this week. It's show week for us. I think that's going to be one of the first things I say after we do our, our big on-stage warm-up together is that this is, this is a day for making memories and let's really enjoy that. Yes, let everybody center themselves. Say it to everybody, parents, kids. Put the word out there that this is about celebrating that we're together. Yep. I love that. I love that. And you made a point earlier that I, I would let's drive it home. Nana doesn't know that routine isn't clean. Yeah. Neither does mom. N- Nobody knows that girl just did that pivot turn in the wrong direction and you wanted her to do it in the right direction all year. Nobody knows those things. You wanted her to do it all year. Oh. <laughs> and she never did it. So yeah. so that's her. Yeah. Okay. And one day maybe she'll be this great dancer or a teacher and you'll be surprised. And she did it her way. Yeah. I know what I'm saying sounds too simple or maybe, what do I want to say, too rosy, but reality is just just sit back and enjoy it. Be grateful. Yeah. What a great way to finish. I'm grateful for you, Reid. Thank you for today's conversation. I'm grateful for you, Stacey, and to all of our listeners. Thank you for being with us and enjoy the journey, my friends. Thank you for joining us for Regold's Dance Life Podcast. Learn more about joining the International Dance Entrepreneurs Association, the Dance Life Teacher Conference, and the Dance Life Retreat Center at regold.com or follow Regold's Dance Life on Facebook. Enjoy the journey. You've been listening to another Morgan Media production. 